let's get right into it today. I want to talk to you about binding the brokenhearted. And I, uh, I've got so much to say that I'm not going to stall with too long, long of an introduction. So insert really good introduction here. And we've laughed. And, oh, he's going to be good today. Okay, now let's just go into it. All right. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break. In a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring justice. Now, we're using this verse as kind of our theme for binding the brokenhearted this month. This prophecy was given over 500 years before Jesus came to this planet and wrapped on flesh. Let me remind you, Jesus was not created 2,000 years ago. The concept of Jesus didn't arrive 2,000 years ago. He has always been the Son the Father and the Son and the Spirit for eternity. But 2,000 years ago, he put on flesh the same way I put on my shirt today. He wrapped, God wrapped himself in, in the clothing of flesh. And he came to this planet, not just to live an example for us, but to rescue us. So Jesus did that. And when he came to this planet, we get this beautiful verse that prophesied what he was going to be like. And it says that a bruised reed he wouldn't break and a smoldering wick, he wouldn't snuff it out. I've met people in my life that look like they're at their breaking point. Have you, met, have you ever been at your breaking point? And you're weighted down and you feel it and the pressure of whatever you may be going through. Things that you've seen that you've never been able to process or a challenge that you're in that just doesn't seem to end. We all, it's, it's crazy, but we all face things we never thought we would have to face. And you feel like it's going to crush you. Let me give you a promise immediately that God's word says, if, you're bent, if you just feel like a bent over reed, he won't break you. He's going to come alongside. He's going to strengthen you. If you feel like the, the light is about out of your life, that you're, I used to used to shine, and I don't have anything left. He's not going to snuff out what's there. Whatever little bit has been left, he's going to begin to call it forth, and he's going to bring you through. He brings us through betrayal. He brings us through brokenness. He, br he binds the brokenhearted. I want you to know, if you see someone that's brokenhearted, I can guarantee you that Jesus is close by because he is there to bring healing to that moment. Now, one of the ways that he does is, is he does it through you and me. There's where a lot of the challenge is. We've got to be sensitive to be used by the Lord when it comes to binding the brokenhearted. But I, I'm just going to get into it, and I'm going to ask the simple question, why do we bind the brokenhearted? Why do we do it? Let's look at four answers. The first one's real quick. Number one, because they're made in God's image. And I've tried to emphasize that every week so that we don't forget this. Genesis 1:27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Everyone has been created in the image of God. The, the poor, the rich, the female, the male, the American, the Eastern European, the Russian, we've all been created in his image. Those that with disabilities and those without disabilities. All of us have been created in the image of God. The image of God is not something that's just reserved for people that love Christ. As a matter of fact, people that love Christ are called to be restored into the image of Jesus, which is even different. 
That's where we go from knowing that we're created in the image of God to accepting the work of Christ that now that we walk in his image to call out the image of God in other people. And that's who I'm speaking to today. I'm speaking to people that have been brought into the image of Christ. You, you believe that he loves you. You believe that he paid the price for you. You've accepted him as your king and now you're to call out his best in the lives of other people because everybody's been created in the image of God. Let me remind you, and you guys know what took place in Orlando last week. We even talked about it Sunday morning as some of the things that were beginning to unfold about the 50 people that died in that club last week. And notice I used the number 50 people that died. Even though all I'm hearing about are the 49 that were killed by the gunman, the gunman also was killed as well. And every life is valuable. The people that were just there to have a good time did not deserve to die and their lives are valuable and it was taken out. But the person that went into that place and started shooting people, his life is valuable. And the person that's rejoicing in all of this the most is our adversary who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He's the one that's enjoying this. He's enjoying the fact that the guy pulled the trigger on so many people and that ultimately the guy that pulled the trigger, he ended up being taken out by a bullet as well. He loves that. Can I remind you that the value of people is not changed by the choices that they make? Their value was given to them by God because of the price that he was willing to pay. And he paid the price of the death of his own son. I'll share a story with you. This is a true story. A few years ago, a, a friendship relationship that Beth and I have, gentleman was in a motorcycle wreck in Illinois. He was riding the mo motorcycle when somebody else did not see him, pulled out and, and hit him. And it was a horrible accident. And uh, I mean, it was God's grace that he survived it all. Um, how many ride motorcycles? How many have to be incredibly defensive in your driving? Because you know people just don't notice you. If you've ever ridden a motorcycle in Illinois, or if you've been in Illinois, you might already know this. How many know that it, you don't have to wear a helmet in the state of Illinois? At least a few years ago, unless it's changed, you don't have to wear a helmet in the state of Illinois. So as I was telling this individual about somebody else about the accident, they were like, oh, I heard a friend of yours was in an accident. I said, yeah, it's been horrible. Guy's riding, he's enjoying himself, somebody doesn't see him, hits him slid down the concrete, ends up in the ditch. I mean, they, they had to do life-saving measures to save his life. It's a miracle that he's even alive. And I said, he said, where was it? Oh, it was in Illinois. And the, the question was, well, did he have his helmet on? I said, no, he didn't have his helmet on. He said, oh, oh. What do you mean, oh? Well, he, he should have had his helmet on. Well, in, Missouri, in Illinois, it's, you don't have to wear your helmet. Well, he should have had a helmet on. It doesn't change the fact that somebody hit him and he almost died and he needs a miracle. But the judgment was he should have had his helmet on so it absolves me from needing to be concerned about his life. And we do that. We absolve justice we absolve our concern when somebody makes a choice that we disagree with it is very easy for us to say oh well and we're almost saying they got what they deserved if you're stupid enough to ride a motorcycle without a helmet then you do deserve to die wow that's that's amazing 
not only attitude toward humanity, but as a, as a Christ follower. I was speaking to a Christ follower asking for prayer, and the prayers weren't partnered with because the person didn't have a helmet on. Do we care less about someone in an accident if they didn't wear their seatbelt? But they should wear, well, of course they should. And I bet every one of us can look back at the last seven days of our lives and find things that we should have done that we didn't do as well. I should have done some laundry on Thursday. I should have changed the oil in the car yesterday. There's a lot of things that I should have done that I haven't done. Does that mean that you're not going to pray for me if I'm in an accident? I mean, people make choices that we disagree with. They make choices out of foolishness, out of laziness. But the reason that Jesus comes is to reach out to those that have been made in God's image, whether they made a bad choice or not. Here's the thought. It's simply this. The value of a person's life is not determined by the wisdom of their decisions, but by the cost Jesus was willing to pay for them. I'm not saying that every decision that somebody makes is right. I'm saying that their value is given to them by God regardless of their decision. Well, it was kind of interesting in the first service, I kind of had this thought hit me and I reached into my wallet to see if I had any cash. And because I hadn't talked to Sophie, I still had some money. It's kind of the way that it works. And so I pulled out a $20 bill and I'm going to do it now and I'm just going to illustrate it. I pulled out a $20 bill and I said, okay, I'm holding a 20 and everybody saw it. I said, we all know what it's worth, about 12 bucks, right? In the United States, about 12 bucks in our false currency system. But nonetheless, here it is, $20. And this, this is worth 20 bucks if it looks like this or if it looks like this. It just doesn't matter. This has the same amount of value like this as it did when it looked great, doesn't it? I mean, how many would still take this? I mean, who would come up and take it right now if they had the chance to come? Well, I mean, why would you be waiting around rather than coming up to take it if you had the... Bella, what are you doing? You better get down here. I mean, are you seriously? Are, why would you take that much time? Why do you still want this? Come here. Come up here. And I'll come down here. For missions. BGMC, which is our children's missions fundraiser, of course, of course. It doesn't matter if it's for BGMC or if it's for 15 king-size candy bars. The value is that it's still worth 20 bucks. Maggie was the first one to get down here in the first service. She ran down here, almost dove to me. And then she was at the cafe during the in-between break, and she was having a good time. She did give me a candy bar that she took out of the free jar, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother. <laughs> I love, I love that we can recognize there's value in something that doesn't look valuable. Oh, it's just a wad of trash. No, it's 20 bucks and it still goes somewhere. You can see the most broken person externally, at least in your opinion. And God's value of that person hasn't diminished at all. Number two, God's focus isn't on the choice the person is making, but on the person making the choice. And we talk to our daughters a lot about making good choices. 
But even if they make poor choices, it doesn't diminish their value. I, I hope they make the choices that we're trying to guide them to make. But I'm going to love them and consider them valuable even if they don't. But they're going to. But even if they don't, right? Number two, why do we bind up the brokenhearted? Well, because people are made in God's image. And number two, because Jesus binds the brokenhearted. And it's just pretty simple to me that we do what Jesus does. In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2, it's kind of an interesting passage. Um, I, I kind of like freedom of worship, um, seeking the Lord for what he has for me to share that particular week, what series I'm supposed to go into. There's some particular denominations where pastors will get their 52 weeks of messages handed to them that they're going to be sharing throughout the course of that year. Now, when I think about the time savings, that would be amazing, but it's just not kind of the way that we flow around here. But at the time that Jesus lived, there was a portion of that going on. As a matter of fact, scrolls were so expensive that only the richest of the rich would even have one. Most of the time, only a synagogue would have a scroll, and they wouldn't have a scroll of all of the Old Testament books and prophets. Uh, they, one uh, synagogue might have the scroll of Isaiah, and another one would have the scroll of Ezekiel, and they would take turns using them. So everything was really prescribed ahead of time, because this synagogue in Galilee has this scroll now, and this one in Nazareth has this one now. So we've got to do these readings in these certain time frames so that we can then exchange with the other synagogue. Now, Jesus went back to the town that he had grown up in, and at the synagogue, the eldest of the family would have the privilege of reading the text that was assigned that week. We know that at this time, Jesus' dad, earthly dad, Joseph, wasn't alive, which is why Jesus, as the oldest son, had the privilege of reading the text. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and they opened it up, and what we're looking at in Isaiah is exactly what Jesus read that day, which just happened to be the day that his family was supposed to read, and he just happened to be the one available to read it. Don't you love coincidences? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he hands the scroll, they roll it back up, and he added a little something that they didn't expect. He said, today, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. <gasps> this prophecy was given 500 years ago. This is what the Messiah is going to do. This isn't what the illegitimate firstborn of, of Mary is going to do. There's no way. And immediately they wanted to kill him. Now, the, the, the Jews were oppressed by the Romans at the time. And so they were looking for a Messiah to come and to do this for them. He's going to come and free us from our poverty of oppression of the Roman government. He's going to rescue us from this political system. He's going to give us our land and our own nation and our own name. And eventually they have their land and their nation and their name. But this is so much deeper than that. Because the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on Jesus to proclaim good news to poor people. You see, the message isn't just for the rich, it's for the poor. It's not just for those that have everything, it's for those that have nothing. 
He's to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim the freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners. The message of Jesus was to bind the wounds of sometimes those people that we turn away from because it's just too much work. And it's not convenient. Can I, can I tell you something? I have not found ministry to be convenient. I mean, at all. It's just not. And there, were, there was a season where my to-do list would get in the way of the Holy Spirit. Because I had my list of everything that I needed to accomplish and I was going to get it done, check, 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 check. In the process, I wasn't recognizing that what was an interruption to my list was actually a divine appointment of the Holy Spirit to my life. Jesus didn't get up and say to his disciples, hey, we're going to go to Samaria, I'm going to release three lepers over there, going to give some water to a woman that's not going to understand what I'm doing, and then we're going to drop by uh, Simon the leper's house, I'm going to do this, and then we're going to add, I've got it on my agenda to offend four Pharisees, and I know the ones that I want to offend today, and we're headed that direction. He followed the will of his father, and it almost looks like at times that his life was one divine interruption after another. And that's hard for us Americans, clock-driven, calendar-oriented. I've got to work this many years to retire so I have enough money put back. And we've got all these things that we've got on our list, and so many of them weren't on Jesus' list at all. He's like, follow me in the now, follow me in the moment, live for today. Tomorrow might not even come. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm talking about following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I've had to learn, especially in this house, because we office out of here. There'll be five of us with laptops around the cafe, and somebody walks in, and I'm not hidden in a back room where they can't get to the pastor. Your insurance salesman, the gentleman that you've had a relationship for years, walks in to bring you your policy, and you can tell that he's not just going to drop by, he's going to talk. Oh, here we go. And he's a slow talker. Don't you hate slow talkers? I mean, seriously, just spit it out. If you're going to talk that slow, cut out the words that don't matter. You know what I mean? We're in the middle of staff meeting. We've got things that we're planning. Why are you walking in the middle of staff meeting? And why are you standing there like you don't think that we're in staff meeting? You walk over and you're like, hey, what's going on? He starts talking and then he starts telling you about his wife that died in April. And you say... Listen, we're in staff meeting. Could you just leave me the binder and we'll deal with your brokenness later? What do you do? First thing you do in your heart is you're like, God, forgive me for being so focused on my stinking schedule that it took me longer than it should have to say, Don, what's going on? How are you? You know what I'm talking Anybody else do this or am I the only one? You're leaving me out here to dry. This is, thank you, four of you that are honest. I appreciate that. God, we're going to give you tickets next week. We're just going to find some tickets. Jesus bound the brokenhearted. In the middle of the crowd, he stopped after the lady with the issue of blood was healed and he spent time ministering and talking to her. And then the guy that he was already helping said, don't even worry about it, he's already dead. And he said, no, no, everything's fine. I'll take care of it. We got it. It's good. How many know if you're the Prince of Peace, you walk in peace? So you don't get so anxious. How many know if the Prince of Peace is living in you, maybe we could walk in a little more peace and not be so anxious? I'm late for this appointment. I'm not talking about being unprepared, but I'm just saying, you know what? There are divine moments that it is what it is.
And you're going to follow the leadership of the Lord because binding the brokenhearted isn't on our schedule. It's on God's schedule. We've just simply got to be available and open to that. So it said that Jesus would bind. And I love that because it's a perpetual prophetic word of something that's futuristic. Because he will bind, but he did bind. He will bind. He is binding. He will bind and continue to bind. But he's doing it through you and for me. Because how many of you know that Jesus didn't just bind the brokenhearted when he was on this planet 2,000 years ago? How many of you have had him bind your broken heart? How many of you need him to bind it right now? I mean, he still does this for us. Number three, why do we bind the brokenhearted? Because Jesus empowered us to do what he did. Their people are valuable. They're made in the image of God. Jesus binds the brokenhearted. Jesus has us do what he did. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. Those of you that know me well, those of you that just know me a little bit know that eventually I'm going to bring up Matthew chapter 10, 7 through 8, about every four months, maybe three months, just to remind you of this. Jesus says to his disciples, hey, as you go, here's the message I want you to proclaim. The kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom is the word for authority. I I hold my scepter when I say that. It's the scepter of authority. The kingdom of heaven is near. The authority of heaven. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Read this one with me. Freely you have received, freely give. Let's say that again. Freely you have received, freely give. And I saw that illustrated in Maggie today. She received a gift, and the next thing you know, she's given me a candy bar. I see that illustrated in Bella. She received a gift. Next thing you know, she's given it to missions. I see that in Matthew Thompson. He received a gift. Next thing you know, he gives it to a Red Sox fan. I mean, God is merciful. He loves us regardless of our choices. Okay? Honestly, only the Holy Spirit could kind of set this kind of stuff up. Really, because anything that we have to give, it's because it's been given to us. Oh, I earned it. E.F. Hutton's way. How did you do it? I earned it by deceiving people with my investments. No, that's not where even the things that we earn were a gift. I mean, God's he's blessed us. He's given us. He's helped us every right. It's so it's the same way in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I see these as promises. If I'm sick in body, I can be healed. If I got a demonic stronghold, you can pray for me to be delivered. I see these as promises of God, and I like them, but that's not really the way that Jesus presented it here. It wasn't just the promises for us. It was the command for ministry. I have people ask me all the time, does this church preach this? Do they preach that? And it's not my role to speak on every local house what they do preach or what they don't preach. I know a lot of local houses that believe this but won't preach it. And maybe it's because we're afraid, what if I lay my hands on the sick and they don't recover? How am I going to handle that? What if I pray for a dead person and they don't rise? It's not like they knew. You're commanding them to come back to life. They don't come back to life. It's not like they're going to look at you and go, idiot. I mean, they're gone. Okay? I've I've told you before, pray for the blind. If they're not healed, they're never going to find you. You can get away. Just... Just change your voice the next time you're at church. Hey, it's good to see you. How you doing? Oh, I saw that crazy guy praying for you last week. I don't know what was happening. Come on. Maybe we just don't think that we can do it, but actually we've been told to do it. 
We've, I mean, we've been given this. It, it, binds, it, it binds the brokenhearted. If somebody's sick in body, that, there's brokenness. If there's a demonic stronghold, there's brokenness. If there's death, there's brokenness. Freely you've received. I guess we just have to believe that we've received it. Because I won't give something if I don't think I have it to give away. I, I give because I really believe I have it to give. I got to give away two $20 bills today. It, the first thing that's amazing is that I had two $20 bills to give away. You know why I had that to give away? Because somebody wrote me a note this week and said, hey, just want to thank you. And they gave me a $100 bill. I'm like, you don't have to give me a $100 bill to say thank you. 500, 600 would be fine. But if you want to do, you don't have to do anything. So I get, I get handed cash. And what I do with, when I get handed cash, I try to hand cash away. It's, it, we've received, we give. Guys, it's the way of the kingdom. And you don't have to be perfectly beyond repair yourself to also help give healing to somebody else. Because we're healers that are being healed. And we're deliverers that are being delivered. Look in Luke chapter 9, verses 12 to 13. When I think of Luke, I think of Darth Vader. I just, I do. Luke, I am your father. No! Right, anybody remember that one? And Sophia posted on my Facebook today for Father's Day, you, you are my father. Dun, dun, you know, and, and you could hear it in the, the whole bit, so we were having some fun with that. So in Luke, verse 12, 9, chapter 9. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, now, wouldn't you love to hang out with Jesus enough that now you get a nickname? You went from being the disciples to being the 12. I'm one of the 12, right? Jesus and me, we're at JC and the 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, hey, you've got to love, you've got to love the heart of, of staff. And I see this from time to time here in our local house. Send the crowd away so they can go to surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. You know, every once in a while you're like, hey, Pastor Brad, could we start flicking the lights here? I'm starving. We got to get the people out of here. They are not going to leave. It happens. From I would never do that personally, but sometimes that happens. We're in a remote place, and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And I love this because the disciples, the 12, recognized there was a need. They noticed that people are hungry, and we're in a remote place. So it wasn't a lack of recognition of the issue or the problem. And I found in society, most people that follow Christ can recognize there's a problem. But most of us that follow Christ want Jesus to take care of it. Or we want somebody else to take care of it. Or we think they ought to be able to take care of it themselves anyway. So we recognize, they recognize these people are hungry. And Jesus says... You give them something to eat. Now, if they're really a disciple, they're probably there without any food either going, well, I'm hungry. They probably recognized the people were hungry because they were hungry themselves. It happens in church. People are like, we need a quality child care ministry. I'm like, yeah, we needed it 10 years ago when you didn't care because you didn't have children. But now that you have children, you recognize that we need, right? We tend to recognize what we're a part of. So the disciples are probably like, rrr, rrr, rrr. they're hungry, we're hungry. Send them away and feed us, Jesus is what usually happens. Hey, you take care of it. So they find this one poor boy that hadn't hid his lunch sack well enough. 
This guy's like, he's just kind of walking through the crowd. He's got some bread and some fish. And they're like, get him. Get him. This is before stalking and everything was acceptable, right? They nab him. They bring him up. Lord, we don't have much, but we, Tommy here is, has volunteered. He's like, shut up. He's given us his lunch that we might share it with those in need. God's going to take care of it, okay? Right? And Jesus, he blesses it. He pays quite the interest to the little boy when he sends him home later with 12 basketfuls, right? But um, so he, he was paying him off to keep everything kind of, no, I'm kidding here. I'm totally kidding. But he blesses it and they feed 5,000 people. And this really convicted me because there are so many times that I see something else that I think that I should do and we should do. And I go, we can't do that. We already do this, we do that. We don't have any more resources there. We can't put another missionary on here. We don't have it. You see, the resource wasn't the bread and the fish. The resource was Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have the resource. I'll share this and then we'll go to the last point for today. Um, Convoy of Hope that we partner with, and you guys know that. God blessed us that we were in February, gave $53,000 this year to help feed the hungry. It just blew my mind. And many of you have adopted children that we feed every day in Tanzania and the Philippines. It's just stunning to me. And I think that I recognize it's a miracle. I know what we tend to average. And I, I'm like, I, I sometimes I don't know where the money comes from, except that it comes from our resource. And his name's Jesus, right? So my, some of my friends at Convoy of Hope, have, they've even said, hey, I want to encourage you. You don't realize the miracle that you're a part of. Like, well, yeah, it's miraculous. No, we've been doing this long enough, bringing people together to feed orphans, that we know what we're going to get from a church that averages 250, or from a church that averages 300, or 1,000, or 10,000. We know we do this enough that we know what people are going to give. We've been able to track it. Your church gave more than a church of a thousand gives in a one-day offering. I'm like, well, it's not my church. Your church has adopted as many children as a church of 700 adopts. And maybe we just do it because we didn't realize that we couldn't do it. Because we trust our resource. Why stop there? God, release a building that we can't pay for. Release a building that we can't pay for, but you have as a resource. Release more missions dollars to support more people in the ways of the kingdom. Release more funds that VBS expenses would be a drop in the bucket that children would come to know Jesus Christ. Just release it, God. And we say yes to whatever you're speaking to us to do. And we apologize for the times that we haven't trusted that we can do it because you're right here with us and in us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Last point. I'm sorry, I've went a little long. Why do we bind the brokenhearted? Because people are precious. And I, even when I say that, I can't help but have a little sarcasm come out in my tone. Because how many of you have ever said that? People are, people are precious. Oh, they're just so precious. 
We've had moments. I, I'm sure none of you have ever had this in your home, but our daughters have walked upstairs and we've looked at each other and they were, they're just so precious, right? And we're speaking it and calling it. And they are precious, but sometimes they're just so precious. You, how many of you know somebody so precious? How many are sitting next to them right now? No. Okay. okay, thank you for the honesty. People are precious and they drive us crazy. But look at the price that God paid for them. Look in Matthew 13, verses 45 to 46. The word again is used here because Jesus was sharing a, a series of stories about how the kingdom of heaven was reaching out to people. Now, I'm not going to share any of the other stories in Matthew 13, not one of them. But every one of them, the kingdom of heaven is reaching people. And if I quoted them, they're familiar and you're like, oh yeah, the kingdom of heaven's reaching people. But we get to this one, and you can read Matthew 13 on your own later. We get to this one, and the way it's typically taught, we flip it for some reason. Even though it says the kingdom of heaven is like, and the kingdom of heaven, is, it's not talking about the kingdom of earth. We're not talking about earth up, we're talking about heaven down, right? That's what we're talking about. So we take this, that the, the kingdom of heaven, that what's going on in heaven is like this, a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away, he sold everything that he had, and he bought it. I've always heard this communicated this way, that when we see that pearl that is Jesus, and we went this way in our life and that way in our life, and we tried all these other things, and we finally recognized none of it's worth it. I'm selling everything. I'm giving everything up for Christ. I'm selling out for Jesus and Jesus only. That's the way I've always heard it preached my whole life. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I didn't buy Jesus. Jesus bought me. I didn't pay the price for my salvation. I wasn't looking for a pearl of great value. I was stuck in sin and I didn't even realize that I needed a pearl. So to me, the way that we've communicated this has been completely, completely backwards. I almost said that inappropriately, so I'm just going to move on. I love you guys. You're good people. Thanks for giving me this opportunity of being your pastor. I appreciate it. In my opinion, this is God the merchant finding the pearls of people that he sold everything he had when he gave up his son that he might bring us into his kingdom. This isn't anything I've done. It's everything that God's done for me. You are a pearl of great value because a great value was paid for you. But so is every other person that you come in contact with. This week we had a team, and now let's wrap. We had a team from Minnesota that came down to help us in VBS prep, pass out flyers about the church. I mean, they were phenomenal. Uh, mostly middle schoolers, a couple of freshmen with their youth pastor and a couple of sponsors. We connected with them. And we met here for the orientation meeting on Monday morning. And just sharing some of the things about the church, I'll ask you, how many of you were here the night that that young lady came right down to about where Beth is standing that was deaf and God instantly opened her ears? How many of you were here that night? You remember that? It was just so cool. And so I told that story and a few other stories about the goodness of God. And one of the moms that was a sponsor, just talking about his healing presence and his kindness, she, she says, 
He's healed people just when they come into this room before. Or no, she didn't add before. He's healed people when they come into this room. I said, yeah, yeah, he has. I said, as a matter of fact, I remember one time when he healed a lady before she got in the, in the building. She was being brought in to be prayed for. She had had knee replacement surgery and it had not worked. She was still having pain in her knees and she parked in the handicapped parking and oh, when she opened the door, when she put her foot on the parking lot, God healed her legs. And how many of you remember that? She walked in praising Jesus. We'd never met her before. She's like, he's healed me. He's healed me. We're like, who are you? And this is crazy. He'd already healed her. So I'm telling that story and the lady interrupts me because I had interrupted her because that's what Christians do. And she said, she said, people have been healed here. I said, yeah, without even being prayed for. I said, yeah. She goes, like right now. I went, huh? Because I'm a guy. What? And she lifts her leg up. And she starts unwrapping a bandage that was around her ankle that I hadn't even noticed that she walked in with. And a week and a half earlier, she had hit that foot and strained ligaments through her toe and up into her ankle. And I guess when she walked in, she walked in with a limp. But once again, I'm a guy. I didn't even notice. I was just like, hey, you need an espresso, right? And you know me. So she, the Lord healed her while we were talking about the healing presence of Jesus. She unwraps the bandage. She gets up, she starts walking. She's like, guys, the, Lord, the Lord's healed me. I have no pain. She goes, the one thing I've been worried about is passing out flyers. I didn't know how I was going to walk around the subdivision. And she went out there and she led the charge walking the subdivision because he binds the brokenhearted, because people are precious, because people are made in the image of God, because Jesus loves them, because Jesus loves us, and because he's empowered us to do the same. God, help us, help us to bind the brokenhearted. Help us to set the captives free. Help us to believe in your limitless resources to do whatever needs to be done for whomever needs it from you so that we can have our freedom and they can have their freedom. Oh, I just ask you for this, Jesus. I ask you for this, God. And if there's anybody in this place right now, I'm not going to call you for it, but I'm just going to ask you, is there anybody in here and you're just like, PB, that's me today. My heart's broken. <laughs> I'm not asking you to come up and tell me everything. But if that's you and you want me to pray for you, just slip up a hand. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to surround, God bless you, just to surround you right now. Okay. Lord, you, you, you see those. That, that today's just a rough day and maybe it's a rough season and I don't know why and my words can't fix it but what I do know is that you can release your Holy Spirit to wrap around your people and you can bind them you can wrap them in your anointing in your love in your kindness and strengthen them so do that for your sons and daughters it's your love anyway. So release that on them, God. And if there's something that, that we as other Christ followers can do, then give them the courage to ask and us the courage to believe you for the miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's good, isn't he? He's good. He's good. Thus concludes the message at Faith Chapel today. And it was brought to you by the makers of Bible Bar.
Um, if you ever need a quality bar made with biblical ingredients, go to your local Christian bookstore and support Bible Bar. Uh, and, and I don't actually really know if there is a Bible Bar, but it just seemed like a fun moment to have. Um, I get like this when I'm a little tired, and you all know that. I wanted to pause for a second so that you guys would actually believe the sermon was over before I start in with part two. <laughs> because I wrapped up what the Lord gave me, and then I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me something that really wasn't necessarily about the message, but that I was supposed to share because it was for a couple of families in our church. So I don't know who those families are. I really feel like this is kind of, it's not the message, it's just kind of a timely word. And so let me share it with you. It's Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. As I was wrapping up the message, the Lord took me to this, and he was highlighting how Joseph honored the body of Jesus. Joseph had no idea that Jesus was going to be resurrected. He wasn't looking for that. He just honored him. He had become a follower, and he felt like the last thing that he could do to show the honor to, to Jesus' life was to wrap up that body. He did it with love. He didn't just do it with oils and, and gauze. He did it with love, humility, compassion, and honor. I feel like the Lord spoke to me that some of you, I, and I really believe it's probably specifically in relationships, that some relationships that have been valuable have come to an end. Some things are changing in your life right now. And to the best of your ability before the Lord to show honor to anything that was good that you can show honor to. Anything that was precious that you can, if, if a relationship's ending, anything that you can do to show honor what a testimony that is when God gives resurrection that nobody expected. Let me use it. Have you ever heard, don't burn a bridge? Maybe you're in a job transition right now. Speak with great honor to your former employer and about your former employer. And, and show that even if they put the ceiling on you and you couldn't get any farther and God moved you to a whole new direction and, you, and it was frustrating because they were limiting you there. Speak with honor, wrap it with compassion, wrap it with humility. You never know when resurrection might happen and God might use that very company that used to keep you back. They might be asking you to come back and launching you into new opportunities that you never dreamed of. So I'm not, I, and maybe I shouldn't use examples because I just felt like the Lord was saying, if something's come to an end, to the best that you can, wrap it in honor. Wrap it in honor, because resurrection can happen. Okay, and I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Let's stand together. We're going to bless our dads. And in doing that, we bless our heavenly dad. But one of the things that we have at Faith Chapel, we've got a lot of spiritual dads. 
And some of you spiritual dads, you're dads, and then you're also spiritual dads of others on top of that. And uh, then we have some that maybe you never had natural children, but you've, you've received others as your own. And so we honor that, and we want to honor you. So if your dad or a spiritual dad or your husband or your best friend's close by and you can do this, would you put a hand on their shoulder and uh, get close to them for just a second? Get close to your dad for just a second. Give him, give him all the love and support you can. Okay, thank you. All right, so seeing all that. And we're going to bless you. We're going to bless you. And if you haven't had natural children, it doesn't mean that you're not an influence and a mentor on the lives of others. Okay? We can all have that privilege and opportunity. So, Lord, I thank you for these men of faith. And we don't put them on a pedestal like they're perfect. We just show them honor because you do. And I thank you for them. I thank you for your love for them, your call on their life, your vision for their future. I thank you for that. And, God, we affirm that you have given them a great place in our culture, in our society, in our family. We affirm that. And we bless our dads in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would give them wisdom beyond their experiences. I ask that you would give them wisdom beyond their years. I ask that the dreams that, and the visions that you placed within them, even if they've been buried for a while, that God, once again, those would be allowed to surge forth into great things. God, I ask over them that they'll walk in divine health and that they'll prosper even as their souls prosper. And Father, in a culture that says that they're dumb, that they're out of touch, and they only have a passion for sports and beer, we say that they hear your voice, they walk in the now word of God. They have a passion for your presence. And they're not bound by any addiction. But they're freed. I bless these men today in the name of Jesus. And I bless your people. And ask that you would shine your face upon them. And pour out great grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.